0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. In the book of Proverbs chapter 21, verse 11, Solomon teaches us, When a scoffer is punished, the simple is made wise. But when the wise is instructed, he receives knowledge. So he's saying when the scoffer, or somebody who scoffs at somebody, or insults somebody, is punished. So when we see the punishment of a person who's doing wrong, or wicked, the simple are made wise. Why? Because they learn what not to do. You'll find in a family, you know, maybe the older child gets the, uh, the first punishments, and the younger ones, if they're wise, they understand, okay, well, you know what, mom and dad did so and so with him or her, let me not do the same. The unwise will follow in the same, in the same trap, you know. Um so basically saying to us, Learn from the mistakes of others. Learn from the mistakes of others, and a wise person continues and says, "You can't live long enough to make them all yourself." So learn from the mistakes of others, because we can't live long enough to learn all of the, all of them from ourselves. Today, the church put forth uh, before us a story that's very familiar to us about a father who had two sons. And to be honest, it's called the story of the lost son, but perhaps it should be called the story of the lost sons. Because both of them in the beginning were lost, one made his return, and the other it's to be continued. And perhaps it's to be continued because the Lord was, of course, in context was speaking to the Jews, who were still he was still trying to convince them to receive him and to receive their brethren, the Gentiles, and the flock of God. Um, but I'd like to focus a little bit about the lessons we can learn from the mistakes of the younger son. Uh, or the, I'm sorry, the older son, the elder. Um, the first thing we can learn from him is that he didn't consider himself as one of the lost or the dead. Although he was in his father's house, but he didn't consider himself as the one who needed help, despite his, you know, um, his internal battle. He always thought that he was doing the right thing because he was simply staying in his father's house, doing what his father wanted. But we see very clearly when his son returns, what's really in his heart. He wanted a party with his friends. But when his brother came back, his younger brother when he was lost and he came back and found this, it finally revealed to us what's in his heart. Because he didn't consider himself as somebody who needed help or somebody who was lost and is found or is dead. Uh, so he kind of lost his way, thinking that as long as I'm in the father's house, I'm okay. Okay. Um, and if he was of his father, and if he was really um, learning from his father in his house, he would learn the virtues from his father. Like we learn his father's compassion, his father's love, his generosity. So when his younger son came back, he restored him and put on the coat uh, and put sandals on his feet as if he was a son again. St. Paul himself, when he's preaching, although him being... The greatest and the greatest apostle that we know. Look how he looks at himself. And second uh, his letter to Timothy, uh, his first letter to Timothy says what? This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the chief. And we repeat this in the Igbayah in the conclusion of every hour of whom I am the chief of sinners. But Saint Paul didn't say this I just to just to make it seem like he's humble. Look how he follows up with it, and he says, "However, for this reason, I obtained mercy that in me first Christ Jesus might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on Him for everlasting life." So, what is he saying here? He's saying that if the Lord Jesus was able to show compassion to me, the one who is you know oppressing the church, taking the Christians from their families and homes to be killed. In front of the Jewish council. If this was me and God was able to change me, the wretched sinner, and the one who persecuted the church, then he can certainly change everyone else. So although he was the one who is ministering and and sharing the gospel to the whole world at that time, but yet when he looked at himself, he said that he is the chief among sinners. Right? This is something we can learn that we ought to do the same. So the first, you know, lesson from the younger from the older son is that. He didn't consider himself among the lost or the dead. Number two is that he looked at the faults of others, or he looked at the faults of his brother. And it's very easy, my beloved, to find the faults in others and to justify oneself. This seems to be the natural thing. But look what the Lord tells us and teaches us about this in Matthew 7. He says, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck in your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eye. The Lord is teaching us here that it does us no good or it doesn't benefit us at all to um, uh, to point out the faults in others. Because in the, at the end of the day, I can point out all the faults of the people in the world. But will that change the world? If you think about it, if I point out the faults in everyone, my husband, my children, my—if I, all I do is point out the faults in everybody around me, will that change the world? Will that change my family? Will that change the person? Maybe. But what will change the world when I look at the plank or the speck in my eye and change it? Why? Because really the only person that we have control over to change is oneself. Sometimes we might feel or sometimes we might want the desire or the power to control other people and to change them and to force them to do what we wish. But in reality we don't have this kind of authority. The only authority that I have is my own. So if we look and just focus on ourselves and if everybody focused on themselves and took the plank out of their eye, there will be no specks in anybody else's eye. Because the world can be changed if I only change myself. So his second fault is that he looked at the faults of others. When I look at the people around me, is all my duty just looking at the faults in the other people? Look at this person did this wrong, this person chanted this wrong, this person uh, behaved uh, harshly here. You'll find yourself just speaking negative about everyone and making yourself to be a saint. But let's learn and not to look at the faults of others, but look at my own faults because really that's the only thing that I can change. The third lesson is that um, we can learn from him. The first or the third mistake that the uh, older son made was the defamation of another. Not only did he pick out the fault in his brother, but he also defamed him. If you look in the story, um, the Lord describes the story as the younger son going and spending his money on prodigal living. Prodigal is like wasteful. So he could have spent it on, uh, things of like luxurious things that at the end of the day you use them and they're not useful after a while, right? So it's just wasteful. He didn't say anything by the, what manner he lived the life. But when he came to, when his, uh, he came to the oh, the older son, came and spoke with his father, he said to what? He said, but as soon as this son of yours who has devoured all your livelihood with harlots and killed the fatted cat, you killed the fatted calf for him. How does he know that he spent his money on harlots? Right? In a sinful way like this. He doesn't. He doesn't know that. But this is what just he assumed. Or this is what he uh, did to make his brother look bad. He was building a case against his brother. Why his father shouldn't accept him back. And he added this part to defame him and make him look bad. When I disagree or dislike someone... Do I engage in behavior that defames that person? Do I chat with my friends and peers negatively about this person? Do I go to social media and post things that perhaps are shameful or embarrassing or lies about a person just to defame them, to try to get back to them with vengeance? And if you think about it, again, can I change someone or can I attempt to save anyone whom I'm defaming, I can't. I can't. If I'm trying to make someone look bad, how am I trying to save that person? Are we not all here, my beloved, to try to save our neighbors and the rest of the world? I can't do that if I'm defaming someone, if I'm speaking evil about someone. I can't do that. If I'm making up lies about someone, I can't save them. The third sin that we learn, or the third, you know, fault from the fourth, I'm sorry, of the uh, older son was his anger and his hatred. The Bible tells us, the Lord tells us that he was angry and would not go in. When his brother returned and he found this party going on, he said he wouldn't go in. He was angry, he was filled with anger. Anger at whom? Anger at his father for accepting him back. Anger perhaps at his own state. You know that I didn't get to have what my brothers having. Anger that okay, now he's coming back, so he's going to take some more of my, you know, my share. If my father split the inheritance and he comes back and makes him a son again, then he's going to take what he thinks is his. All of these things could be the reason of his anger. Saint Ambrose of Milan said the following: He said, "The one who seems to himself to be righteous, who does not see the beam in his own eye." becomes angry when forgiveness is granted to one who confesses his sin and begs for mercy. So he says here, if I think of myself as being righteous, when I see another person getting the graces and gifts of God, do I get angry or not? Do I get angry when somebody repents? Do I get angry when somebody wants to get closer to God? Do I make fun of them? للأسف يحبق إني حتى الأهالي له دي عشان الأهالي في واحد كذا شاب يجي عايز يلب الشماس ويروح لابوه عايز يمشي أروح الكنيسة بدري يعني أنا تعبان في حالي هتعمل طب وبعدين you're destroying عايز يبني وأنت right right but yani, we need to yani, encourage our children <laughs>, yani, to, to be closer to God and lead by example. Not to like uh, bring them down. And maybe this will show a little bit of my heart. Maybe do I think, Khalas, I'm okay, I don't need to go. But actually this rebukes me. This rebukes me when I look and I see someone trying to go for the binna and this makes me angry. And it works for the husbands and wives as well. Maybe uh, a man wants to go to church and his wife gives him a hard time or vice versa. And we give them a hard time for this. Maybe this reveals maybe my own weakness or wickedness that I need to address. So be careful. Do I get angry when others increase in repentance or practice virtue or grow in righteousness? Number five is... uh The fault of the uh, older son was his ingratitude. He wasn't grateful. He says to his father, "Though these many years I have been serving you, I never transgressed your commandment any time. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might be merry with my friends." He didn't appreciate the many things that his father had. Was he ever deprived of a good meal? Was he ever did he ever go any time like his younger brother? and was feeding the swine or the pigs, and he was desiring to eat the pods, he never had this. Every day he had a good meal, and he had a good and shelter, and more than enough clothing and everything. But he didn't appreciate it. Sometimes we do the same. We have so much to be thankful for, but our eyes are always on what what I don't have. What I don't have. Thinking that when I get these things, this will fill me. Believe me, it doesn't. The possessions of the world will never lead to the contentment of man. Only God can lead to our contentment. You can have all of the latest gadgets and the best things in the world. At the end of the day, if I'm empty from inside from God, I'll remain empty inside from God. He didn't appreciate what he had. Did the elder son serve his father for a reward? Or was he serving him because, or he loved, or because, did he serve his father because he loved him and appreciated all that he had? I think he served him for a reward and couldn't wait Like the younger son, but he didn't verbalize it. He couldn't wait till his father departed so he can get all of his father's wealth. Do I serve my beloved others for a reward? Or maybe we can rephrase it. Can I serve others desiring nothing in return? Look what the Lord tells us. He says, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. So, lend and do good, hoping for nothing in return. And you know what, we can do this maybe with our friends, but what we you know because we don't want anything maybe monetarily from our friends, but we just want their um, acceptance and 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 their friendship and companionship and so on. But you know where this virtue is perfected in your house, where perhaps you'll serve your house, you won't get a thank you, you might even get a, you know a harsh comment. but if, believe me, if you practice this lending, hoping for nothing in return in your homes. Then, when we serve the whole world, we will serve in the right mindset. The motive will be correct because how I'm serving in my home, where perhaps I will be insulted, perhaps no one will say thank you, it will go unnoticed. But I can serve this way in our in our home. Then, when I serve outside, it'll be for the right reason. The sixth lesson, or the sixth, you know, lesson we learned from the older uh, son is that he exaggerated his righteousness. He said, I never transgressed your commandments at any time. Can anybody say that I've never transgressed the commandments of God at, at all? No. If we're saying this, we're only lying any, to ourselves. But he exaggerated it. He exaggerated his achievements. He thought that he was good and he exaggerated. And he said, I never did this. This idea of exaggeration, especially when we want to make ourselves look good. Right? Sometimes we exaggerate. Our achievements and we'll add details that were never really there. You know, add, you know, detail just to make myself look good in front of others. Or sometimes we'll lie about a motive. We find that I did something and the outcome was good and then when people ask, then you'll make up a motive that really wasn't yours, but it just, you know, it's convenient and makes people praise you. So we add, we add to just exaggerate our own righteousness. Also, he was a lip server. The young, the older son was a lip server. While he was in father's house, um uh he served his father, but only for the reason to gain something from his father. It wasn't out of love. So it was as if he was just lip serving him. Serving his father, yes, yes, father, I'll do this, I'll do this. But in the inside was something very different. If we would have if he would have been the same as his father, he would have learned of the righteousness of his father. But you know, thankfully, thankfully that it really doesn't matter how people see the Lord Jesus but it matters how Jesus sees us right so people can look at the Lord Jesus and hate him or love him doesn't change who he is nor does it change his love for us thankfully thankfully his love for us doesn't change by our sin our wickedness, but he loves us regardless this is why you'll find in both scenarios the father went out to his sons. When the lost son was away and his return he ran to him and met him. When he was rejoicing with his younger son's return and he found his older son outside what does the father do? He runs to him as well. He goes to him. He goes to him. And perhaps this is contrary to what our culture might tell us. And then al culture and Kibir. Kibir not Right, But here we see the exact opposite. We see the father going to his children because his children can't come to him. This is why uh, leaving the Gospel of yesterday in Vespers, he quotes from Isaiah and says, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They're just lip-serving. Be careful. The eighth thing we can learn from the uh, older son is that he judged his father. These two last two they'd have to do with his uh, his relationship with his father. The first is that he judged his father. And if we say the father in the story is God, sometimes we even judge God for his decisions. For example, we can judge God in how he forgives a person. We might think to ourselves, how can you or the church accept a person so-and-so back in the church when he did XYZ that was horrific? How can you accept him back? Is his sin really that easy to forgive? Or does he need to really pay penance for it? Does he need to pay for what he did? Sometimes we judge God when we do that. We say, how can you accept him back so easy? We want to make ourselves the judge in God. And we want to make God as if he was our soldier or our commander to implement our will and what we think. This is, I mean, This is, we judge God when we do this. This shows my weakness. Or we can judge God when he wants to reward someone. This was the passage of the laborers of this morning. In the Matins, it was about the laborers of the 11th hour. These laborers came in the last hour. And in the parable, it says that He gave them the same reward as those who came in the first hour. And they got upset. They judged the Master because He was generous. And this is why He says, He says, "...take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as you. It is not lawful for me to do... Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things... Or is your eye evil because I am good? Or is your eye evil because I am good? When we judge God and the rewards He gives others, then again, we judge Him. The last mistake the younger, the older son made was that he blamed his father. He blamed him. And he says, Lo, these many years I have been with you, serving you. I've been with you so long and I've been serving you. So he blamed his father. He put the blame on his father of what of his, you know, how he felt, because he felt bad and he was angry and upset. He blamed his father, and then he um, said that this was like uh, he was the, he was the cause of his hardship. And sometimes we do the same, especially if you know, I invest a lot of time for kinesa, I serve God, and I invest a lot of time, and then maybe I go through a trial, or maybe a family member gets sick. I can go turn and I say to the Binah, so all these years I've been serving you and I've been doing this, this, and this for you. And this is how you repay me? This is what you give to me? Are we not then blaming God when we do this? We do. We blame God for any hardship we get because we think when we serve Him or do something that we're entitled to good treatment from God for Him to give me whatever I want to. Even though some of the things we experience are the things that the rest of the world will experience. No different, Right? We're all susceptible to the same diseases. There was COVID that when it came a few years ago, it didn't show partiality to those who went to church and those who didn't. The saints and the sinners were subject to the same disease. Right? So we learn these yeah, nine lessons um, uh, from the older son. And again, we can learn from the mistakes of others. So we'll review these things and we'll learn from them. We said number one, he didn't consider himself among the lost. He looked at the faults of uh, others. He defamed others. He was filled with anger and hatred. He wasn't grateful. He exaggerated his own righteousness. He was like a performing lip service just to be you know, seen by his father. He judged his father and lastly he blamed his father. Uh, I hope that we can learn something from the older son of what not to do. So God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.